Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Christian McCaffrey's going to be the number one running back in 2019. Michael Thomas is going to break records with his reception total, and Lamar Jackson is going to break quarterback score. One of those may or may not have been right from last season when we were talking bold predictions. And that's what we're doing today here for 2020, talking some bold predictions for this upcoming season. I'm Jamie Eisenberg. That's Dave Richard. That's Heath Cummings. Adam Mazur is on sabbatical once again. He has left us, maybe for the better, maybe for the worse. We'll find out how this next 60 minutes goes. Thank you for taking some time to join us here. We know there's a lot going on in the world. Hopefully we can give you a little bit of a break from reality and talk some fantasy and let's get bold. Before we get to uh, some of the bold predictions, gonna have a couple different conversations going on here, but I want to ask the guys, Dave, I'll start with you. What's your definition of a bold prediction? Oh boy. Uh, I, I feel like a bold prediction is, is something that uh, is out of the ordinary where you really feel passionate or specific on, uh, on a certain player and how they're going to do and, Maybe you go a little overboard with it, but you just basically make it clear, this is a guy who I think is going to be really, really good, or this is a guy who I think is going to be really, really bad, and here's what I think they're going to do. So it's an out-of-the-norm type of um, projection or estimation on how somebody's going to do. Keith, do you use bold predictions as something like based loosely off something, like kind of what Dave was saying, like loosely off something that you think is going to happen and then take it to an extreme? Or is it something that you actually believe is going to come true? Uh, yeah, I think if I would say more the former than the latter. Like I, I, I have to be able to see how it's possible. Um, I have to think that maybe, like if it's something that's in my projections, then it's not bold enough is what I would say. But it, it, something in my projections might point me towards it. Okay. Yeah, I, I kind of look at it as I think the way I was explaining it. Like something I think could happen, but I take it to an extreme. And we're going to talk about my bold predictions today. We're going to talk about Dave's and Heath's throughout the week. We're going to be joined by a couple special guests, uh, some industry experts, Jake Seeley from The Athletic, Liz Loza from Yahoo Sports. They'll uh, get a chance to take apart both Heath and Dave's bold predictions. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have anybody to pick apart mine, but the three of us. So we'll have some fun with that. Uh, I want to give you a little tease, though, for what the guy's bold prediction is going to be. So, Dave, you have one on Odell Beckham. Is he going to be better or worse? He will not even have a 1,000 yards in 2020, Jamie. Wow, yeah. that's bold. Well, thank you. Um, but, no, I'm, he's someone that I, I don't really want to draft. I still have him ranked as a number two fantasy receiver because it's possible you can finish as a number two fantasy receiver without a 1,000 yards. But I'm, I'll get into it when, when we get to my bold predictions, but I'm nervous about him being a reliable stud fantasy receiver. And Heath, what are you going to tell people about Deshaun Watson? 
He is going to set career highs in pass attempts, passing yards, and passing touchdowns. Wow. That's a fun year for Deshaun Watson. Maybe not so much for Odell Beckham, but we'll get more into that later this week when we talk Dave's bold predictions and Keith's bold predictions. Like I said, today we're going to talk about my bold predictions. We're just going to give you five bold predictions for 2020. But I was thinking about this. I was off last week. You guys did a great job podcasting as always. Um, we're, we're obviously in a little bit of unprecedented times with what's going to happen in regards to COVID-19, uh, the coronavirus. And I was thinking about this in terms of some league structure that we may have some situations, maybe Friday inactives that we find out somebody may not play. Maybe it's game day inactives. And clearly we draft a lot of running backs and wide receivers, not a lot of leagues where you have people definitely drafting backup quarterbacks and backup tight ends. Have you guys thought at all about what may happen if let's just say we get to Sunday morning and transactions may or may not be locked or there are leagues where people carry multiple quarterbacks but have a situation where you need to replace somebody because of a bye week. Have you thought about any scenarios of maybe altering how you set up your leagues for, you know, if you're commissioner or not in regards to you need to give somebody a backup quarterback, a backup tight end, maybe changing some of the rules and how we draft to add a second quarterback, maybe make a TQB, a second tight end, force people to carry those things. Uh, uh, Heath, I'll start with you. Have you given any consideration to I know you did a great job writing about maybe the impact of what the virus could be on some of the on-field stuff, but what about the fantasy league implications? You know, baseball has talked a lot about how they um, are going to have ex- possibly, if they play, expanded rosters. And I think that might be a good idea for this year. I generally think it's a good idea anyway, but I would not be opposed at all at adding just a couple of roster spots. Make drafts just a little bit deeper. Um, it rewards drafting and makes the waiver wire more difficult. I know that. But in that, that way, it will be easier to carry both a backup quarterback and a backup tight end. Hopefully, I don't know. I, like, I guess we don't know when they're going to be doing testing. I'm presuming they're going to be testing every week. I, I suppose if the testing's happening on Sunday morning, then we could have – like we may just have a situation where we need to have all leagues have Sunday ads available. Would be another thing. That would be fair for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah Dave, how about you? Give me thoughts of you know maybe changing how leagues are set up in regards to what could be something. So first of all, I would suspect that players are going to get tested every day at the very least. Have their temperature taken. I, I, I would think every Sunday if they're walking well, into a stadium. I mean, where anytime they're walking into a facility, I imagine they'll get their temperature taken and. Right. You know, where have you been for the last 24 hours? Who knows what it'll be, but there will absolutely be a protocol to try and keep anybody who might um, be sick from coming in and infecting other people. I, I agree with the idea of expanded rosters, but there could be people like me that try and take advantage. And you know me, I'm always trying to stash as many right. running backs as possible. And if that happens to me, where I've got eight running backs on my bench and only one quarterback and you know, my quarterback is Patrick Mahomes, and God forbid, Heath, cover your ears. Patrick Mahomes gets you know ruled out for a week. I'm I'm stuck. I, I either have to go to the waiver wire if my commissioner will let me. If I'm in a fab league, they might not let me, and I'm I'm stuck. So I think it's going to end up being the responsibility of every fantasy manager to have your bases covered, and if if that means you can't make ad drops on Thursday or Sunday or Monday. You better be prepared just in case. I don't mind adding extra roster spots. I don't think you have to make it mandatory that you must draft two quarterbacks and two tight ends. I don't think you have to kind of baby right. your your league like that. Uh, everybody can kind of do it on their own. But um, the, the best way around it, Jamie, more roster spots and uh, Sunday ad drops. 
Right, but I think in, in, in regards to both those, if you do have more roster spots you brought it up, Dave, there are going to be people that say, well, I'm going to roll the dice with my quarterback or tight end being fine that I can stash six handcuffs, you know, whatever the case may be, however, however deep you go. Um, and then with the Sunday ad drops, you know, that's probably okay for the 1 o'clock games, but when you get to the 4 o'clock in the primetime games, you know, there's only so much you can do in terms of managing your league. You know, you can do 4 o'clock ad drops, but it just becomes very – dicey in terms of how you're going to sort of set up your league that way. Um, I, you know, I'm just looking at both sides of this. Like, I, I think one thing that I think I'm going to do with my leagues is if your quarterback is declared inactive, you could either, I'm going to give the people in my league two choices. You can either take the TQB scoring, so you get the backup points of the quarterback there, or then you can pick up a quarterback who's available. So not change the roster limits and just give it the, you know, make, put it on me as a commissioner that I have to fix that for the could particular you, owner. And then the tight end. Could tight you end. also just make it where whatever quarterback you have on your team, you're automatically allowed to have the backup on your roster without right. him, so without him being on your scenario. roster? Okay. Right. That's what I'm saying. So it, it's a set. It may not but be. that's the case, and you might as well just roll it, with it, TQBs. No, but but then that becomes, you know, the Saints – guys when you get an advantage because of sure, and if Philly does so it with Jalen Hurts, that could be an advantage. But, but maybe right. that's just something that I, you, I think you work I, into how your league goes. Yeah, I, I just don't I don't really love the, the TQB thing unless it's a league that, that is the you know requires that and I don't really want to get into too many of those leagues um per se. Uh, I just I, I, don't, I don't like it. But I think it's just the the way you were framing it. Patrick Mahomes gets ruled inactive Sunday night, automatically you get right. Chad Henney's points. And if, if you're not carrying a back quarterback. So, like, I don't want to screw the guy because of, a, of an illness situation. What do you do? But at the same time. What do you do at tight end, then? Uh, you can do the same okay, thing. Okay, that's fair. Right. You know, you get the, you get the second tight end. Yeah, whoever the, whoever uh, the backup tight end is. Right. Now, this, this, this would be the scenario of somebody not telling you or, or you falling into the scenario of late game primetime game. Now, if it's early game, ruled inactive, it's on you if there's Sunday address. you got to mm, make sure. I don't know if you can do time. that. I don't know if you can. I, I don't know if you can legislate it that way. I think if you're going to make it, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like this is this is something I, I don't have an answer for. I'm just telling you, like my, okay. my thought process. I, I don't. I don't. I don't have like this is. The I think plan. it's cool, and I think it's just something that we sure. should start to consider because you know league setups. Yeah, I think are it's cool if 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 you know you don't have to expand your fantasy rosters in this case. If I draft Patrick Mahomes, I know I've got Chad Henney in case of crazy emergency. In an emergency, um, right. right? But is it just for surprise? Day of game inactives, it has to be. I, okay, yeah, oh, and then if I've got Travis Kelsey, he gets hurt. You know, right, Ricky Seals Jones. This, this isn't. This isn't right. This isn't. He tweaks his hamstring first quarter. You oh, get right, right, right. Or points. if he's been questionable all week with a hamstring injury. Yes, yes. This is this is show off Sunday. We test you. You're uh, positive for whatever they, you know, fever, you have, you know, it doesn't have to be COVID. It's, it's fever. You're not playing, you know, you're, you're sick. You got right. a cold. You're not and playing. What if it's uh, a Sunday surprise and we don't find out what it is? It's a good question. Like I said, there, there, there's, there's gotta be some gray area. Maybe this is expand rosters and, and make people carry two quarterbacks and two tight ends. And then, like he said, it kind of ruins the waiver a little bit, but this is something we'll, we'll have to talk about a lot throughout the next, uh, you know, month or so, but as, as again, you know, our leagues on CBS sports are starting to open this month. It's June 1st and we're recording this. So you're going to start to set up your leagues and you have to start to think about things a little bit differently 
just with what's going on around the world. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to get into our bold predictions for my bold predictions for 2020. And Heath and Dave will pick it apart as they always do. Stay right here. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. So let's get into some bold predictions for 2020. These are the five bold predictions that I am providing for you and for Dave and Heath to pick apart. So let's start with bold prediction number one. You may have heard me talk about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire once or twice on the show. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I will try and pronounce it correctly this time. So I say Clyde Edwards-Hilaire will be a top five running back in PPR by the end of the season. This is what I was talking about at the start of the show. I don't have it ranked this way, but if things go well for Mr. Hilaire, Edwards-Hilaire, I think he could end up being a top five running back in PPR. He is our consensus number 15 running back right now. That is among the three of us. I have him ranked number 10. He is going, based on Fantasy Football Calculator, as the 14th running back off the board with a pick in the second round, the ninth pick in the second round, behind guys like Austin Eckler and Aaron Jones, ahead of Leonard Fournette, David Johnson, and Melvin Gordon, if you are just talking about average draft positions. So, Heath, Mr. Chiefs fan, you love this guy in real life. Do you love him in fantasy as well? I would love it if this was correct. Now you you said <laughs> the way you said it. I want to verify before I before I start picking apart. Okay, he will be a top five running back when the season is over and we look at the running back standings, or we'll yes. be ranking him as a top five back in the second half of the season. No, when the season is over, he will have finished as a top five running back in PPR. Yeah, I think if it was the second one, that would still be bold, and I might be on board with it. But I am just a little bit concerned. You mentioned what I wrote about the impact. Um, the last time we had a shortened off season, and it's not completely the same, but back in 2011, running backs really had a hard time getting on the field on pass catching downs. And Clyde Edwards Elair is awesome at pass catching. He, he's a different beast, especially when it comes to this class. I think if anybody does early in the year, it will be him. But I still really expect that week one, Damian Williams is going to get the first carry. And I think week one, Damian Williams is likely to do more pass block- blocking than Clyde is. And so that that could cause a problem with the first quarter of the season. He's more of a 10 to 12 touch guy than a 15 to 20 touch guy. So I, I think by the end of the season, we might be ranking him as a top five running back, but I don't expect that he will finish as a top five running back. Where do you have him ranked now? Ah, uh, <laughs> you're not roughly, going to like roughly. 18. Inside your top 12, outside your top 12? Outside my top 12. In your top 15? No, he's my top 20. Okay, not my top, top 15. 20. Dave, what about you? Where do you have uh, CEH ranked? He's 12th for me in PPR. And uh, I, I get where you're coming from, dude. Uh, Andy Reid and his running backs, the track record has been great. He's produced a top 12 running back eight of the last 10 seasons. I don't know how many of those times there was a top five running back, though. So that's pretty rare. One thing that... Well, the last rookie he had was. The last rookie ah, he had true. was. Kareem Hunt was that guy. How about this? Running back targets in Kansas City since Reed arrived, they've averaged 116.3 per season. Last four years, 112 targets, 102 targets, 128 targets, 99 targets. 99 targets was the fewest amount of targets that running backs have had under Reed with the Chiefs. Now, that's all the targets. It's not one running back getting all those targets. So it kind of goes back to Damian Williams. How long is he going to be a fly in the ointment? How long is he going to take work away from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? 
if it ends up being the first month of the year, it's gonna it's gonna hurt Edwards Hilaire and you're gonna feel silly for drafting him in in round one or very early round two. But if he can get a large share right out of the gate and prove that he is the next Kareem Hunt or, you know, a much better souped up version of Damian Williams or a healthier version than Damian Williams, then there's a chance he can get there. So I understand the hype on him. I'm just I'm finding myself not drafting him very often, partially because I draft with you all the time, Jamie. <laughs> yes, I do take him usually in the in the middle of round two. Um, we we typically see him go if I don't take him back in the round two, beginning of round three. And I think that's probably where he'll end up living. You know, I think right now his average draft position is not factoring in dynasty leagues. So if you hear you know ninth pick in the second round, that is redraft leagues. And again, that's according to Fantasy Football Calculator. But people are excited about the Chiefs running back. If you take the combination of Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy, you could obviously do this with a lot of running backs with the starter and the backup or the guy in the injury replacement. But the combination of Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy would have been the number eight running back in PPR last year. So if it is Edwards Hilaire getting most of the touches, that's not a far off place to go to get into the top five. And as we know, what he did last year at LSU, almost uh, 1,900 total yards, 17 total touchdowns and 55 catches. Um, and you're comparing him to these guys in round two, Mixon, Chubb, Sanders, based on ADP, Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones. Uh, Heath, it sounds like you would take all those guys over Edward Hilaire, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I would at the end of round two. And I again, I, I think what I'm probably going to do with a lot of the rookies, and it will fail with a couple of them if they get off to hot starts, but I'm going to have a hard time drafting him where their ADP is but I plan on making some offers at the end of September and the early October to get those guys. I don't want to, I don't want to get to November and not have any Clyde Edwards-Elair on my team. I'm just not sure I'm going to be able to draft, get him in the draft. Right, and for your sake, if he does get off to a slow start, that would certainly help his trade possibilities with somebody maybe looking to unload him for a guy who could be fading by the second half of the season. I did some polls in regards to um, my bold predictions. So I, uh, one of the polls was in relation to, to Clyde Edwards-Elair and it was, which running back would you rather have in redraft PPR leagues this year? Edward Solaire, Nick Chubb, Derek Henry, and Joe Mixon. And uh, surprisingly, the other three guys were very close. Mixon actually won the poll out of uh, 4,400 votes uh, with 30% of the vote. Derek Henry was second. I'm sorry, Nick Chubb was second in 28.5%. Derek Henry was third, 273 mm. And then uh, the guy who will be top five, Clyde Edwards Solaire, 13.9%. So it was a little surprising that Henry didn't win the yeah. poll, but um, very close between Mixon, Henry, and Chubb. And then uh, Edward Solaire coming up at the bottom there. Uh, Dave, real quick before we move on to the next one. If you draft Edward Solaire, do you have to take Damien Williams? You don't have to, but it's a good idea. If, if the basis of your drafting of Edward Solaire is he's an Andy Reid running back, then go all the way with Andy Reid running backs and, and get them both. And again, if we do expand some rosters, it's easier to uh, do that with your fantasy team. All right, bold prediction number two. Darrington Evans will be this year's lottery ticket. He'll be the top waiver wire ad of the season. So right now, consensus-wise, we do not have him ranked based on what our overall rankings look like. For me, he's the number 51 running back in PPR. Fantasy Football Calculator does not have him being drafted right now based on his ADP. But I'm sure you've heard me say this before as well. I don't think Derrick Henry's going to have a great season because I'm concerned about his potential injuries. Over 400 total touches last year, bad track record of running backs when they have that much work, regular season, postseason combined. And so if he goes down, I do not see the Titans changing their modus operandi. You know, I don't think that they're going to change how they run their offense and, and dramatically shift to all of a sudden, let's make Ryan Tannehill the star of the Titans and have him throw the ball 40 plus times, uh, unfortunately for A.J. Brown. But 
there we had just get our obligatory AJ Brown name <laughs> reference. Um, there are a lot of great handcuff options and injuries are going to be the big reason why these guys potentially can help you. Uh, we're going to throw out the high end sort of guys. So, you know, Kareem hunt type players. Uh, I don't think that they necessarily count. Um, the guys where there's like, you know, questionable backfield, like Matt Breida, Jordan Howard, you know, we'll throw those guys out as well, but we're talking about maybe more late round picks. And so guys like Alexander Madison, Tony Pollard, Chase Edmonds, those type of guys who could be lottery tickets as well. When you approach these type of players, Dave, do you draft them with the hope of I'm going to sit on them for X amount of weeks? Or is it if the starter is still doing what the starter does early in the season, I have to cut bait and move on? Like, how do you approach taking these lottery tickets? I want to hold on to them for as long as I can. But I recognize that certainly once the bye week start and then once injuries start to pile up or poor play on in my starting lineup piles up, I'm going to have to make a move. And sometimes that move is trying to trade the, the backup to the team that's got the starter. So if I draft Darrington Evans and Jamie, you somehow have Derek Henry and Henry's doing fine and Evans isn't doing anything. I might try to pair Evans with a receiver to get a slightly better receiver off your team. I don't want to cut these guys if I don't have to, but sometimes you have to. And it's one thing you do have to keep in mind. Maybe this is something to keep in mind when you're drafting these late round lottery tickets is, all right, how long am I really going to hold on to these guys? Am I committed to sticking with them through week three, through week five? How long will it take? And, you know, I, I'm not thinking like that with most of these players, but in the case of Evans, I, I, I certainly want to see how the season starts for him. I don't want to have to hang on to him. Now, if I need a backup tight end, my tight end's on by and he's the most cuttable player. What do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to let him go. Yeah, if that right. happens in week six or week think- seven, you know, that's – sucks on me that I've got to hold on to him and get nothing out of him, hoping for bad things to happen to Derrick Henry. I think one thing that we also see with some of these guys, and Heath, I'll ask you this because in a lot of our mock drafts that we've done, you take a lot of these handcuffs, not necessarily to handcuff the guys you have. You take it to, to steal other people's handcuffs, per se. Um, is Are they getting work in conjunction with the running back that they're backing up? You know, Is it a situation where like we saw last year with Alexander Madison or Gus Edwards, they were getting, you know, some work. It may not have been great fantasy production, but they were touching the ball so that you saw what they could do given if the starter did go down. Is that something you look at, Heath, when you're taking some of these backups? And I know the guys that you're typically targeting have been Tony Pollard and Chase Edmonds. Yeah, and I do think those guys will have a role. The, the nice thing about that and the thing that I struggle with with handcuffs, I, I really would like to have somebody that I think is good because we have seen <laughs> – Feature backs go down, and the and the the secondary guy comes in. I, I lost a bet over it this this year. Um, Hilleman. Sometimes right. those backups are just kind of bad, and so I feel pretty confident in Tony Pollard and Chase Edmonds if they get the opportunity. In fact, we saw it with Edmonds last year; he was incredible for a couple of weeks. They're going to be very good, and those are the types of guys. And Ben Gretsch talked about this last week. Those are the types of guys that I like to target when I don't have great starting running backs. Right. Because if I've built a team with elite wide receivers and a good quarterback and an elite tight end, and one of those guys hits, it's going to be very difficult for teams to compete with you. So that's that's what I'm looking for in those. And and you know, I didn't get a chance to pick apart the uh, Darrington Evans. I th- think that that's my right so <laughs> i the henry thing Absolutely. I, i'm um i was doing some research this morning because the 400 
touches in the regular season, I think is pretty well established. You've been writing about that for longer than I've worked at CBS and you've done some really good stuff. The 400 touches, including the playoffs, I'm not as sure about. Um, We saw in 2018, Ezekiel Elliott did that. He was awesome last year. 2016 and 2017, Le'Veon Bell did it. He was awesome one of those years and then he sat out. Um, DeMarco Murray and Aaron Foster absolutely fell apart. But Adrian Peterson and Ray Rice did it three different times. And other than the last year that they did it, in 2012, they were pretty much awesome in the following years. So I'm I'm not sure the track record of injury after 400 touches, including the playoffs, is as convincing to me as the one of 400 touches in the regular season. Oh, for sure. It's definitely more of a regular season argument. And in fantasy football outsiders, you know, they're the ones that started the curse of 370, and that's typically the number that you look for in the regular season. He's also an unprecedented guy in terms of Derrick Henry, though, based on yep. his size. And so, you know, will he hold up to all of this work at his physical stature? It could be a huge benefit for him because he's running over guys, but he runs to contact. You know I mean? He's one of those type of players that he's not afraid to, to do that. We spoke to him after the, the Super Bowl, or at the Super Bowl, um, after his season was over. And I, I think Dave's the one that asked him the question. And he said, I can play a full season right now. You know I mean? He's certainly comfortable and confident in his abilities, but as we saw, offensive line changing a little bit. You know, they did lose Jack Conklin. They're replacing him with a rookie. So we'll see how that happens. We've talked about, you know, the p- potential regression of this offense with Ryan Tannehill. Uh, that could help Henry if they're getting more plays, as Ben has talked about. You know, maybe he gets more opportunities. The thing that scares me about him also is that if he goes down and then works his way back, he doesn't have the strength of his passing game to rely on. And if Evans is doing something in the passing game and they're changing things a little bit, maybe he's on the field a little bit more. So. That's more of a Derrick Henry bus conversation than the Darrington Evans waiver wire ad. But I think both of you guys said it best. You know, this is a, a, a guy that you have to sort of have some faith in and hold on to. We have to see if he's going to play in conjunction. And Heath, you said, you know, you lost the bet on this. In regards to both the uh, one name that we, we mentioned, uh, Alexander Madison, we thought he was going to be a lottery ticket for us. He wasn't there. And the yep. guy who replaced him was terrible and lost a lot of people fancy mm-hmm. championships in Mike Boone or fancy playoffs. And then the other part of it is when Derrick Henry missed time in the fantasy playoffs, the guy that replaced him lost people some fantasy championships and playoffs as well with Deion Lewis. So it's not a guarantee that the guy that just steps into a great situation is good, but I'm looking at Darrington Evans as somebody I thought he showed up well in what I saw from him in Appalachian state, uh, 23 total touchdowns last year. I think he's going to be a little bit better than what Deion Lewis was. At least that's the hope. And we'll see if he takes Derrick Henry off the field. But again, we're talking bold predictions. We're not talking about actually, things that could happen. And so I think most people, rightfully so, will take guys like Madison, Pollard, Edmonds, those type of handcuffs. I did another poll in regard to that. And the results were, as you can imagine, Darrington Evans, probably not close. Uh, of the 2,000 people who voted in that poll, the, the running backs I put on the list were Madison, Pollard, and A.J. Dillon, just to get another rookie in there. So Madison won that one easily, 52% of the vote. Tony Pollard, 22.4%. A.J. Dillon, 17 and then Darrington Evans, 7.8%. As you can tell, nobody's drafting him except for me. Let's go now to another uh, bold prediction here, and this is Calvin Ridley will be this year's Chris Godwin. And what I mean by that is the second receiver could be better than the first receiver. Last year, that's what happened. Godwin was better than Mike Evans. I don't think anybody expects Calvin Ridley to be better than Julio Jones, but that's why we're talking about bold predictions. So right now he is the consensus number 10 wide receiver for us. I have him ranked number 10. I think we all have him ranked number 10, which is why he's at that spot. His average draft position is the 17th receiver off the board, according to Fantasy Football Calculator. And thank you to our buddy Shaggy B. 
Ben Schrager for doing all of this research to make things easy on me. But uh, as we saw last year from Calvin Ridley, he uh, came on once Mohamed Sanu was traded to the Patriots. In, uh, in, in his final six games, he didn't play in the last three games of the season, but his final six games, he averaged 17.1 PPR points per game. Over that stretch, he was better than Julio Jones. So if you're talking about Calvin Ridley, we're all excited about him entering his third season. Heath, how excited are you? When would you draft Calvin Ridley? I love this one. I'm not even going to tear this one apart. I actually was on <laughs> HQ yesterday doing the Geico 15, and I was actually talking about regression from the prior week, and they said at the end, well, give us your favorite breakout. Who's the, who's the one guy that's going to break out? And I said Calvin Ridley might be this year's Chris Godwin, so I absolutely love this one. I think he's, he's definitely worth a pick in the first three rounds. I, I will take him in round three in any format. You look at what he did last year. He was over 18 fantasy points per game after they traded Mohamed Sanu. Average 15 per game for the season, and people just kind of didn't notice it because he missed three games. I absolutely think he's a future star and would not really be all that surprised if he's better than Julio this year. I definitely think he'll be better than Julio by next year. Yeah, you've been talking him up uh, in terms of dynasty as well, doing all of your dynasty content, and you said he could become a top five wide receiver in dynasty. So drafting him ahead of Julio Jones in that format makes a lot of sense given the age for both Julio in his early 30s. Uh, Dave, when you compare him to some other receivers in his range, average draft position in terms of Calvin Ridley, Cooper Cup, Amari Cooper, um, I think we'll, you know, we'll probably end up seeing in our drafts Mike Evans in that range as well. Um, Kenny Galladay, you know, how does Ridley stack up to some of them? I would take Cup ahead of him. And I think I might take Galladay ahead of him too. Just because we we've seen it from Galladay, the the big touchdowns, the the big play potential, we've seen it from Ridley, but not to quite the same extent. We might have seen it last year if he had stayed healthy for sixteen games, but that's about it. I'll take Ridley ahead of Mike Evans. I'll take Ridley uh, ahead of Amari Cooper by a mile. I the the only thing that I think could slow Calvin Ridley down there there are two things. Number one, Todd Gurley regains his old form. And all of a sudden, he's a running back on fire, and the Falcons have a run game that they can really lean on. That would mean the offensive line is better, and that would take targets away from everybody in Atlanta. And I just don't think that that's realistic for, for Todd at this point in his career. But the other thing that would concern me is, what happens if Julio Jones misses time? And now it's pretty clear what defenses would do if there's no Julio on the field. They're not going to double-team Russell Gage. They're going to go after Ridley. And I'm, I'm not convinced yet about him um, beating double teams. And I think a lot of where his success has come from is playing opposite Julio Jones. And if Julio's not there for whatever reason, it's going to hurt Calvin Ridley. So as long as Julio is okay, and as long as the Falcons have to throw, and I think that we both agree that those are things that we're counting on, Calvin Ridley's going to have a monster year. He definitely has the potential for it. And, and again, you know, if you just look at the games without Sanu, uh, Austin Hooper was banged up as well during part of that stretch. Um, you know, he really took off. And so that's the hope. They bring in Hayden Hurst to replace Hooper. Uh, this offense, even if Gurley is running the ball better, still going to be very pass heavy. They led the NFL in pass attempts last season. So a lot to like about what this passing game could look like with still a suspect defense that's in rebuild yep. mode. But Calvin Ridley, I think, in round three is going to be very, very fun to have and if you do go running back running back with your first two picks he's not a bad number one running back to fall back on this was uh, the twitter poll that i got the most pushback on because i just did yes or no so will calvin ridley be a better fantasy receiver than julio jones this year 79.4 percent said no 20.6 percent said yes wow. uh, that was out of eight thousand votes 
And uh, I think Ben Trager retweeted that one as well. And we got a few, uh, are you crazy? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I'm surprised it was this. that much. Um, uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, look, you know, pe- people obviously love Julio Jones. He's been fantastic. But at some point, there's going to be a changing of the guard. It happened for him with Roddy White. Um, you know, you'd like to see both these guys be top 10 fantasy receivers. And, you know, for the people that are going to invest in Julio Jones, they'll have him produce at a top five, top three level. But sometimes, you know, when these guys fall off a cliff, they fall off quickly and the young guy's coming. And Calvin Ridley certainly has the pedigree and the potential to be a great fantasy wide receiver. Let's go on to next bold prediction. And this one is the Browns will have the eighth duo on the same team in NFL history to rush for at least 1,000 yards. Both guys will rush for at least 1,000 yards with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So the other seven guys who have done it in the NFL, there's seven teams to have two players do it. The 72 Dolphins with Larry Zonka and Mercury Morris. The 76 Steelers with Franco Harris and Rocky Blear. The 85 Browns with Kevin Mack and Ernest Biner. The 2006 Falcons with Warwick Dunn and Michael Vick. The 2008 Giants with Brandon Jacobs and Derek Ward. The 2009 Panthers with Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams. And last year's Ravens with Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram. So you have the two Browns guys. Both have done it before, Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And I'm going to give you guys a trivia question that if you want to find out the answer, you have to come check us out on Twitch tomorrow for our poker tournament. Or poker, what do we call it? Poker tournament. game? Poker tournament? Poker tournament. Um, so what five teams currently in the NFL have a pair of 1,000-yard rushers currently on their roster? You only have to come up with four. I just told you one of them with Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So there are four other teams that have a pair of 1,000-yard rushers currently on their roster. We'll give you the answer tomorrow on Twitch. I'm trying to convince Adam to let me give away a spot in the podcast league if you have the answer on Twitch. He said no, but maybe we can talk him into it. But come check us out on Twitch. If you give us the answer in the chat, I will see if I can reward you so come there, watch us play poker, give us the answer to that question. All right, so here we go. Nick Chubb coming off a fantastic season. Kareem Hunt was very good once he came back from suspension, more so catching the ball than rushing the ball. Dave, could this bold prediction come true? Can the Browns be the eighth team to have a duo on the same team rush for at least 1,000? I, I have a hard time seeing 1,000 rush yards for both backs. I have an easier time seeing 1,000 total yards for both backs. And with Chubb, it's pretty cut and dried. He should be the primary running back for them. Won't dominate touches. I think that's pretty clear. But getting over 1,000 rush yards, it's about 70 per game. I think he can do that quite easily, even while sharing with Hunt. It's Hunt getting 70 rush yards per game that I, I just don't see. So if you were to amend this just to say 1,000 total yards, I could see Kareem Hunt getting like – but that, that's, that's more realistic. That's I know, but, but I'll tell you what, I think it's so bold if you say I've got it projected that way. I think that's bold. No, I've got it projected that you way. You do have it projected that way. I, I, have, I have Hunt projected for 1,001 total yards. It's funny, I looked. <laughs> that's amazing. What was, his, what was his pace last year in the eight games he played? Do you have that off the top of your head, guys? What did Kareem Hunt do? No, no. Um, but I, I can't say that, like... I have them combined for 2009 rushing yards. It's bad, bad news for Nick Chubb if Kareem Hunt rushes for 1,000 yards. Well, I, I will say this. If that's the number that they get, then it's bad news. If it's 2,400 or 2,500 yeah, and he's closer to 1,500 rushing yards, then you're thrilled with it. That would be that would be just fine. I, I think like really what your what probably leads to this is an injury that costs Nick Chubb three or four games. Uh, potentially, you know, or it could just be that they're so run dominant because of Kevin Stefanski and the offense that he ran in Minnesota that 
it's more bad news if this happens for Beckham Cooper and, and Landry Mayfield, and, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the passing game, obviously Baker Mayfield for anybody that's investing in him as a starter. But um, I think what will have to happen is that potentially, like you said, Heath, one guy gets hurt, you know, Chubb still crosses the line and Hunt has just a, a monster, you know, series of replacement games. But if, you know, he is getting, you know, 70 yards a game and maybe has a couple of games where he pops, uh, you know, for over 100 plus and Chubb is, you know, as we saw last year, you know, competing with Derrick Henry to lead the league in rushing. It's happened before, you know, again, some of the names that we gave you throw out the Falcons with Michael Vick and the Ravens with Lamar Jackson where a pair of running backs have done it. And the one that kind of stood out to me was um, the, the Giants situation where Derrick Ward wasn't a great fantasy option in terms of being a superstar because he didn't score a lot of touchdowns, but he still gave you the thousand yards rushing and Brandon Jacobs was the, uh, was the monster guy there. Same thing with work done. He didn't have a lot of touchdowns, but he was clearly good in the passing game. So uh, Heath, you're the most excited about hunt. I was looking at the rankings. You have him uh, in PPR, uh, I think at 20, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so you are drafting him as a starter in that format. Yeah. And uh, I just looked, he was on pace for about 920 total yards last year, 74 catches though. So I think that there is a pretty big difference in his value from non PPR to PPR. But I, I think like there's two things about him. One, I think he can be good with Kevin Stefanski. there calling 400 rush plays a game, even if Nick Chubb doesn't have any problems at all. The other thing is when you're drafting him, you might be in the seventh round drafting a top five running back because we talked about the handcuffs before. He's a handcuff that you can start every week and feel okay about it in PPR. And if Nick Chubb goes down, like there's very few running backs that we would like better than Kareem Hunt on a week-to-week basis. He is an extremely talented back. He's very good in the passing game. They are going to throw the ball to their running backs for sure and they are going to run it a ton. So I think there's room for him to be a top 20 back. I believe he was top 15, top 16 last year in PPR in the second half of the season, while Chubb was right around 10th or 12th. So there's enough room for both these guys to be top 20 backs. They did it last year. Yeah, for sure. You know, if if, if things stayed the same, you know, and, and the question becomes is how much more work did they get? Because, you know, it's hard to say, you know, we're throwing you in in week 10 and you're going to handle everything, you know, and so is he going to be able to handle everything uh, that would be the expectation, you know, not necessarily in terms of the total touches because Chubb should still get more total touches, but he's going to hurt Nick Chubb to a certain extent. Um, as we saw last year, you know, the numbers that he had pre Kareem Hunt playing and post Kareem Hunt playing. Now, some of that was unfortunate touchdown um, numbers, uh, you know, touchdown totals. He, he, he could have done a little bit better in that regard. We talked about that. You guys talked about that in, in some of the advanced stats um, podcasts that you, you, you broke down, but I think there's there's a lot to like about both these running backs, and maybe Kareem Hunt could hurt the overall ADP for Nick Chubb. He's going as the 10th running back off the board in round two. For me, he's number 11. He's our consensus running back number 11 uh, when you talk about um, uh, where, where Nick Chubb is. And, and for Hunt, his ADP, his consensus ranking is 28th. Uh, I have him 29, but he pulls up the consensus a little bit. I think, Dave, I saw you have him 30. Um, right behind a guy like Raheem Mostert. So you would take Mostert and PPR over yes. Kareem Hunt. Because I think there's just more upside with Mostert. Even though he'll split, there's more non-injury upside. Fair. That's the way to put it. Okay. So there's where kind of Kareem Hunt factors in, Nick Chubb. And again, the bold prediction would be both guys can get to 1,000 rushing yards, becoming the eighth duo in NFL history to do that. We'll see if that comes to fruition. Last bold prediction. And so when we, we did this, this is uh, based off of the bold predictions that we did for our magazine. So 
our, uh, our editor, Chris Towers, he said, you know, you could do something sort of NFL related. And so that's kind of where I went with this one a little bit. And it ties into fantasy as well, uh, based on a quarterback that you may like is Tyrod Taylor leads the Chargers to the playoffs. And by that, I mean, he's going to be the starter from start to finish for the Chargers. And so can't have the potential to be a very good fantasy quarterback. Our consensus ranking on Taylor is number 28. I have him ranked number 25. If I thought he was starting for 16 games, he probably would be close to 12th for me. His average draft position, as you would expect, he's not being drafted. But if Taylor was the starter for the Chargers, we know they improved their offensive line this offseason by adding Trey Turner and Brian Balaga. They have one of the best group of skill players that you have in the NFL with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler and Hunter Henry. It's a very strong group that I think would help Tyrod Taylor. And as we saw from him as a starter previously, he's got two years on his resume with at least 568 rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns. So we like that from our quarterbacks when they run favorable early season schedule. If you're just talking about somebody to stream, they get the Bengals, the chiefs, the Carolina Panthers and the bucks in the first four weeks. And so uh, Heath, I know you're very excited about Tyrod Taylor as well. If you found out he was starting the entire season, would you buy into him as a potential starter? Yeah, this is another one of those situations where I'm trying to pull up the consensus ranking and apparently Dave is dragging it down because if his consensus is 28, <laughs> you have him 25th and Dave may not have him ranked. I have him 20th and that's below where I have him projected. I do think if he, if you told me Tyrod Taylor has is playing 16 games in 2020, I would tell you he's going to finish as a top 14 quarterback in either format and top 12 quarterback in formats that reward four points per pass touchdowns. He's in a fantastic situation. Uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler, very good defense. I, I think there's a very decent chance the Chargers go to the playoffs and I cannot see them changing quarterbacks for as long as they're in the playoff race. So I, I like this one. And the reason we say changing quarterbacks, we just mentioned, they drafted Justin Herbert. So that's part of the problem here is that they invested heavily in a quarterback in the top 10 uh, first round pick um, guy who could take over easily. This happened to Tyrod Taylor once before with the Cleveland Browns. It was the number one overall pick when the Browns took Baker Mayfield, but uh, Taylor lasted two games and then was replaced by Baker Mayfield. Um, could be a little bit different scenario because of what Anthony Lynn has been saying about Tyrod Taylor, kind of the storyline we've talked about a lot, the offseason, not really having one. So can the rookie come in and be ready to go? Uh, Dave, uh, I guess you're the one dragging Tyrod Taylor's consensus ranking down. Um, I, I'm sure that has to do clearly with Justin Herbert. But again, the scenario being, if he starts 16 games, where do you think he would finish? I think he would be around 15th. And he should be 24th in my ranking, so my apologies for dragging him down maybe a little too much. I'm putting my thumb on the scale a little little too much on Tyrod Taylor. But yeah, if he's playing 16 games, then he should be good. I'm still a little skittish on him just based on how he threw when he did start for the Browns. He completed less than half of his throws. That's usually not a good thing. And does it mean that the, the Chargers offense becomes – you know, kind of a conservative offense, run-focused offense where they they don't take a lot of chances downfield. I don't know if they really even have a great deep ball receiver at this point. So it might mean that he's going to have to be efficient and have a lot of volume. Not sure he's going to have a lot of that. How much is he really going to run? He's not the same age, obviously, as when he was doing it in Buffalo. But yeah, Anthony Lynn's a fan of his. He's going to start to begin the season and unless Justin Herbert 
looks great in training camp in the preseason, it's going to be a long time before we see him on the field. So Tyrod's got a shot. And you mentioned the schedule. You said it's great early on. Jamie, it's good all season long for the Chargers. I graded them with the best schedule. They play a lot of soft defenses along the way. They're going to be in a lot of games where they're going to have to throw. When they play the Chiefs and the Broncos and the Raiders, I, I, I do think that there is some potential there. I'm more concerned about Tyrod not only keeping the job, but playing effectively and having a lot of explosive plays. Yeah, I mean, look, there, there's a reason he's bounced around to several teams since being the starter in Buffalo, taking in the playoffs, and then not able to sustain being the long-term starter there. And, and again, he was replaced in Cleveland for Baker Mayfield. Um, I did another poll in regard to this one as well. And so which really late-round quarterback do you have the most interest in for redraft leagues? Tyrod or Tyrod Taylor, Gardner Minshew, Teddy Bridgewater, and Jimmy Garoppolo. Keith, where do you think your boy finished, first, second, or third? Um, third. He was third. So it was very close between Teddy Bridgewater and Jimmy Garoppolo. This is uh, just shy of 3,000 votes on this one. Garoppolo was 31.9%, Bridgewater 31.5%, Gardner Minshew 24.8%, and Tarod Taylor at 11.8%. So nobody's buying into my bold predictions at all, uh, understandably so. But again, that's why we talk about them being bold. But Tarod Taylor, the bold prediction being he leads the Chargers to the playoffs, which in turn would make him a potentially starting fantasy quarterback if you want to trust him throughout the course of the season. So there's the one, bold predictions. Yeah, one, one more thing just quick on Taylor, because I use projections for my rankings as like the basis. I do think that like if, if you're just ranking based on where he should be drafted, he should be ranked higher than his projection, not lower. Because that start of the season schedule is so good and you can always just stream if he gets benched. Right, and, and again, to sort of look – back at the start of the show with what we were talking about as maybe some potential replacements. If you are looking to draft two quarterbacks with the thought of, okay, if my quarterback goes down to injury, I some his time potentially because of a illness situation, you'd be thrilled to have the guy starting against some of those teams that Terod Taylor is going to face, especially that week one game against the Brown uh, Bengals, excuse me. So that would be a uh, fun scenario for him and potentially for you if you trust him. So just to recap the five bowl predictions for me, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire will be a top five running back in PPR by the end of the season. Darrington Evans will be the top waiver wire ad, the top lottery ticket this season. Calvin Ridley will be this year's Chris Godwin, meaning he jumps over Julio Jones as the better fantasy wide receiver for the year. The Browns will have the eighth duo on the same team to rush for at least 1,000 yards with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And Tarad Taylor leads the Chargers to the playoffs. So looking forward to hearing Dave's bold predictions. Keith's bold predictions will be joined by Liz Loza and Jake Seeley to break those down as well. So fun week of bold predictions here. But we're also going to answer your questions. Thank you for sending them to on to us uh, with your Apple Podcast reviews. We appreciate those. Give us a, a nice review, and we will read your questions on the air. This one comes to us from Marty Mar eighty six. Dave, where is he from? Boston. Boston, Boston or Boston? Boston, Massachusetts. Boston. Yes. Uh, what was the movie where the, they got that confused? Um, it was... Uh, they confused Boston and Austin? Yeah, it was... Um, oh my gosh, why am I blanking it on this? It better not be a movie that Jesse Eisenberg was in, otherwise you're going to hear about it. No, it wasn't. It was uh, Road Trip. Yes, Road Trip. Road Trip, where uh, the girl went to go check, chase him in Austin, and he was in Boston, or vice versa, whatever she went to. Um, thank you, Shraggy B, chiming in, giving us the answer there. As he always does. All right. So hello, Turkish Mickey and frankly, four fingers. 
Any idea? Anybody? Turkish Mickey, frankly, four fingers. No, don't know. Heath? No, it sounds like it's probably a, a, a mob movie. No, it could be. Or a mouse. Uh, please grade the trade in 0.25 PPR Dynasty. I traded Miles Sanders and Tyler Lockett for Devontae Adams and Ronald Jones. Uh, Marty Mar 86 other running backs are Alvin Kamara, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and James White. Other wide receivers are Julio Jones, Keenan Allen, and Terry McLaurin. So grade the trade, 0.25 PPR, Miles Sanders and Tyler Lockett for Devontae Adams and Ronald Jones. I kind of hate it. I'd rather have Sanders and Lockett. Yeah. I think I would too. I think you almost have to, don't you? Yeah. I mean, Sanders and PP in, in Dynasty is certainly better than Ronald Jones. And Tyler Lockett, while he's not in Devontae Adams' tier, he's probably not that far off by comparison to what the running backs are. So I think you probably ended up losing this trade a little bit, but you have the best player for 2020 in Devontae Adams. And Turkish Mickey and Frankly Four Fingers is from the movie Snatch. Again, thank you, Shraggy B, I think is the one that put that in there. So appreciate you giving us that answer there. Next question is from Chase in Rochester, New York. Hey, Josh, Jim, Tarad, and Kyle. Bill's quarterbacks. Bill's quarterbacks. So I'm not Josh sure on the, Allen, on the Jim Kyle. Kelly. Did Kyle Orton play for Buffalo? Then that, that's so. who it is. How dare they leave Nathan Peterman out of this? <laughs> <laughs> no, Frank, uh, right? Hey, Josh, Jim, Tarad, no, and Kyle. Uh, we'll call oh, Adam Matt Barkley. Uh, a draft... A draft strategy that I've been experimenting with is robust running back, loading up on running backs with my first three picks. What are your thoughts on this strategy? And if implementing this, which draft spot would you prefer? So Heath, I'll go to you, go to you on this one. I know you love taking running backs with your first three picks. Um, do you like this? And which spot would you, uh, would you prefer if you're doing this? I, I don't necessarily dislike this if your league takes a lot of wide receivers early or quarterbacks. Um, I think the best spot for doing this would be first because you could, like, in a lot of leagues, I think Miles Sanders will be there at the end of the second. You might start with something like Christian McCaffrey, Miles Sanders, and I don't know. I, 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 will, I would venture to say that Austin Eckler is going to be there at the two thir- three turns. Could Edward Zillaire be there? Yeah, I was going to say, yep. yeah, I, I know you did this in, in one draft where you took, I think it was McCaffrey and Josh Jacobs, Heath, yep. right? So that's I another thing. I think I may have taken McCaffrey, Josh Jacobs, and Le'Veon Bell. Uh, right. You know, so the, the third one is probably the one that you'd be a little bit concerned about. And I would say, you know, maybe first, second, first through five, you could potentially do yep. this, right, Dave? I know you're going to skip over Michael Thomas in, in those spots, but, um, you know, if you end up taking Barkley or Elliott, Kamara, Dalvin Cook, you know, one of those guys and somebody else does take Michael Thomas, you could still get one of those other running backs that he's mentioned in round two and then somebody else in round three. I think with the depth at wide receiver, it's not that bad. I, yeah. Because once you get to round three and, you know, rounds four and five, you're still talking about, as we said, you know, Calvin Ridley could be there. Um, you know, guys like Tyler Lockett and Allen Robinson and Robert Woods. And it, it's not bad if those are two of your guys, if you have three potentially top 12 or top 15. I agree. Uh, I, I like it better if you're picking from the five slot though, because when I'm just thinking, and this is like a little tiny thing, but when you're picking in round four, it's going from 12 to one, obviously snake draft. And so you'll pick a little bit sooner in round four, if you're in that five slot, than if you're at the one slot. 
And if, if you commit to three running backs from the one slot, you're basically passing on every single receiver with the first 47 picks. It's not going to be a great group of receivers that you're looking at at that point, but it's not going to be terrible either. You'll just have a bunch of number twos uh, as you're, as you're starting. You'll, you'll have two number two receivers instead of a number one receiver. Not that you'll have a great chance I'll, of getting a number you. one receiver if you're in that five slot, but at least you're a little, you're picking a little bit sooner for that. I, I think you're right in terms of the receiver, but I think the problem is, is that that third running back then becomes a little bit tougher in terms of who he could be. Because I think if you want to pull off this strategy, you want to have three stud running backs. And I think if you're talking middle of round three, that's like that's 29th the, like, overall. Like he, right. But, you know, as we typically start to see our, our top 12 consensus, whoever that may be from 10 to, to 15. But you're talking about like, do you really feel comfortable passing on what could be a better number one wide receiver? Like maybe Kenny Galladay or Ridley or one of these guys to take Melvin Gordon? No. Right. Or Todd Gurley right, or Le'Veon right, right. Bell. Like, I think if you're going to do this, if you're going to do what Chase says, go robust running back, those three backs have to be superstars or the potential to be superstars. Not, I'm hoping the third guy is really good. You know, Melvin Gordon might make the cut as your, as your third. He might. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not right. trying to, I don't to, think you, you, know, don't think you I'm feel not jazzed to, about Melvin Gordon. As, right. Like, as I think thing. if you want to do this, like, you know, kind of what Heath was saying, you want to come away with, Christian McCaffrey, Miles Sanders, Austin Eckler, like three guys like that, or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, or Josh Jacobs, you know, somebody who's got the chance to be top five. And I don't know if Melvin Gordon or Gurley or uh, Chris Carson, if he's still in that range, Le'Veon Bell, if he's still in that range, you know, Fournette, whatever the case may be. Like th those guys don't feel like this is the right way to go. Like get the receiver get first. Three guys that, that are a little bit better. So it, 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 is, it is interesting depending on where you draft. So it could be middle of the first round, could be. Uh, the beginning of the first round. And look, if you're at the back end of the first round, you're getting two really good running backs and then hoping a third guy potentially falls to you that you like. Uh, Gary in a town northeast of Florida that begins with J. Jacksonville. There you go. Jacksonville. Dear McLean, Riggs, and Murtaugh. Well, Riggs and... Lethal Weapon. Hmm. Lethal Weapon is Riggs well, and Murtaugh. Yeah. Combination, I guess? Hmm. No. All right. Should I pay more attention to the rankings for full PPR or non PPR for a half PPR league? Keith, which one do you tend to point people towards when they ask you this question? Uh, I would say full PPR, just downgrade the guys that you know are benefiting more from that format. So Dave, give me a couple guys that if you're looking half PPR, that if you're telling somebody to look at their full PPR rankings that are downgraded. Well, I think Eckler could certainly be a little bit of a downgrade just because he's so reception needy. Um, Le'Veon would be another one that I wouldn't be nearly as excited about in half PPR compared to full. James White. Tariq of course, Cohen, yeah, those guys guy. too. Yeah, anybody where the primary reason why you're drafting them is because of their catches and not because of their um, other talents. Those, those are the guys that you're going to downgrade. Heath, any receivers that you downgrade when you're telling people look at my full PPR rankings, but we're talking half PPR? Uh, the first one for sure is yep. Julian Edelman. Um, Keenan Allen, I would say, would be another one. I, I think a really easy way to do it is if you look at the non-PPR rankings and the PPR rankings, anyone who's significantly higher in PPR, that's someone you need to downgrade a little bit in half. Yes, uh, full PPR, half PPR, non-PPR. It uh, sometimes gets a little bit tricky. Uh, we need to do a better job of showing and displaying our half PPR rankings. We'll certainly answer all of your questions 
whenever you have them. So thank you for sending them to us with our Apple podcast reviews. We'll be back later this week with Dave's bold predictions, joined by Jake Silly of The Athletic, and then Keith's bold predictions, joined by Liz Loza of Yahoo Sports. Thank you, gentlemen, for tearing apart my bold predictions. This has been fun. We miss you, Adam Azer. Come back soon. And we'll talk to you soon. Got to go by. Soon.